0: Summa Up is next-gen body optimization from an actual doctor that's guaranteed to get you in the best shape of your life in 90 days. You'll be at peak levels for each of the fundamentals that drive your strength, energy, and even your longevity. It's a lifelong difference you'll see in the mirror, but also feel throughout your entire day. Summa Up puts more living in life for full details on this transformative program designed for the demanding lives of today's highest achieving entrepreneurs and ceos visit www.startsuma.com hey guys it's dr ryan and today we're going to talk about a topic that is uncomfortable to experience but probably uncomfortable to talk about as well and that is constipation Uh, it is something that affects everyone including my patients so i'm just going to give you a quick overview of some background causes, risk factors, as well as some ways to treat it, right? Um, so constipation, it tends to affect a large proportion of the population, 2 to 20%, 27%, according to recent studies. Um, and basically, it's due to insufficient peristalsis. That is the waves of contraction in the colon that move fecal matter. And so if you have insufficient contractions here, you tend to have retention of fecal matter and thus constipation. One thing to remember is that many times the brain and the gut can be involved in constipation, obviously the gut, but there's a strong correlation between uh, the brain and the gut um, to the point where chronic neurologic diseases are linked to constipation. And there are many connections that we are really starting to understand Uh, recently, uh, in which much of our neurotransmitters that are created in the body uh, have their origin in the gut, in particular serotonin, 90% of all serotonin is created in the gut, as well as there is a lot of back and forth communication, both in terms of immune cells and cytokines, uh, actual uh, nervous system input back and forth, uh, gut to the brain, brain to the gut, and uh, metabolism of short-chain fatty acids which are interesting fatty acids that have um, many different inputs in the body they're uh, primarily produced in the um in the gut by the gut microbiome and so uh that's something to think about you know the way in which you feel can certainly affect your gut and vice versa um we Generally, uh, divide constipation into two categories primary or secondary, primary being without a clear cause, and secondary being due to another underlying illness. And the primary forms of constipation are further categorized into slow transit outlet constipation and normal transit constipation. So slow slow transit is really what it seems, where the motility is decreased, and therefore the transit time, how long it takes for fecal evacuation to occur, is prolonged. And uh, outlet constipation is due to weakening of the muscles of the pelvic floor, such as the puborectalis. And the normal transit constipation Uh, is really where you have uh, daily bowel movements, but there is this uh, thought that it's very difficult to evacuate the bowel movements. And this we think is due a lot. Uh, There's a a, a psychologic component to this and that kind of makes sense given the fact that there's a lot of inputs between the brain and the gut, as we mentioned before. Secondary causes, uh, well, if you have metabolic disturbances, hypothyroidism is associated with uh, constipation, uh, neurologic problems, Parkinson's, MS, as well as some of the chronic neurologic diseases as we talked about, celiac disease, large intestine disorders such as ulcerative colitis and colon cancer, and then many different medications can cause constipation. So this is something to be aware of, Uh, things like Antidepressants, antihistamines, calcium channel blockers, as well as blood pressure medications um, uh, like beta blockers and calcium channel blockers, and diuretics, and then pain meds such as NSAIDs. Now, um, the signs and symptoms are pretty straightforward. Uh, so, you'll have infrequent or hard or lumpy stools less than three times a week. And uh, it oftentimes is associated with abdominal bloating. And hemorrhoids can be a concern too because the increased rectal and anal pressures and then uh the complications of this over time can be things as simple as anal fissures which are very common which are just small tears in the um the anus right here the anal mucosa due to just excessive straining rectocele where uh enlarged rectum can push against the vaginal wall rectal prolapse where an actual portion of the rectum is extruded outside of the anus and this can occur with excessive straining And then fecal impaction uh, which can lead to fecal incontinence such as large stools which over time can weaken the anal rectal muscles uh, or call muscular weakness around the anus and the rectum which can cause leakage those two are correlated Uh, in extreme cases you can get acquired megacolon which is a very 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 distended colon Um, and then uh In extreme, extreme cases, you can get valve perforation, which a stool that's residing there can actually tear through the uh, colon wall and into the abdomen. That is a a surgical emergency. Again, these things are, these guys are fairly rare, whereas anal fissures and uh, things like rectocele or rectal prolapse can, can occur more frequently. Now, um there are some there are some concerning signs, so this would just be for occasional constipation. Now, if you have uh constipation that's been long standing, so what would that be? Well, there is a criteria called the Rome 3 criteria to diagnose um a chronic constipation, and so if you have symptoms for six months along with two or more of the following criteria for three months, right? Uh, you are diagnosed with chronic constipation. So these criteria would be straining with at least 25% of your bowel movements. So a lot of these are 25% of the time. So straining with at least 25% of the bowel movements, lumpy or hard stools, 25% of the time, sensation of incomplete emptying or anal rectal blockage, uh, 25% of the time, the use of hands or fingers to facilitate at least 25% of bowel movements and then fewer than three bowel movements per week. And then there are some additional alarm features. And in these sort of situations, it may not be a bad idea to book a visit to your PCP. Some of these alarm fe- uh, features would be things like consistent rectal bleeding. Now, with an anal fissure, you can get some mild bleeding, right? But this would be, uh, bleeding that is just, uh, constant, not, uh, not self-limited. Unintended weight loss of 10 pounds or more or fever. Or, um, this could be associated with, you know, cancer, uh, symptoms of obstruction. such so as a very hard stool and uh, belly, abdominal pain, no flatulence. That is a big deal. Uh, rectal prolapse, as we talked about, that is something that we do need to surgically correct and then um, changes in your stool diameter that's consistent because there could be something that, of course, obstructs the flow of your stool um in terms of the therapies well okay so assuming that you don't have these concerning signs and you it's a simple uncomplicated constipation many of us resort to over-the-counter therapies such as um, metamucil which is essentially methylcellulose, or calcium polycarbophyll which is also known as fibrocon the problem with these though is they many times can cause gas and bloating diarrhea and abdominal pain well and you may think well that's not that big of a deal right because that relieves the constipation but over time it can be very uncomfortable uh, and then laxatives, so things like mineral oil and colase, which uh, really work primarily by lubricating the colon or increasing water content. Uh, but there has been some uh, concern that their effectiveness is rather limited in comparison to to other therapies. Osmotic laxatives, uh, such as polyethylene glycol and Miralax, milk and magnesia, uh, many times, though, these can cause nausea and flatulence as well as diarrhea. The opposite concern, and then stimulant laxatives such as Senecot or Ducalax. Uh What the issue, and what these primarily do is they stimulate uh, the enteric nerves and they cause uh, water absorption into the colon. But the overuse of these, and we sometimes see these in individuals that abuse laxatives. Um, that are, uh, certain um, certain individuals that uh many times can be uh, associated with bulimia um they can overuse them and can damage your neuromuscular system of the colon and uh this can lead to chronic constipation or even just constant dependence on them to have a normal bowel movement so ideally would like to avoid utilizing these uh um that you or to avoid utilizing these and maybe only for very, very occasional uses, right? So what are some therapies that we can use outside of that? Well, the number one thing you really need to do is ensure that you have a high fiber diet. So what does that really mean? 22 to 28 grams of fiber per day. And what I like to suggest doing is having plenty of dark colored vegetables in your diet, broccoli, turnip greens, Brussels sprouts, spinach, whatever, but having lots of them with every meal. Uh, Fruits like berries are very high in fiber, strawberries and raspberries in particular. And then nuts like almonds, walnuts, pecans, or flax seeds are very high in fiber. So adding, having copious amounts of this in your diet will really make a big difference. Uh, in terms of regularity, it is true, prunes do have a laxative effect. So including them in your diet can help kiwi fruit, as well as oil and flaxseed oil. And uh, the idea is it's similar to mineral oil in terms of lubricating the gut. And this really does seem to work. And, I recommend for my patients uh, um, in terms of it's really useful also because olive oil and flaxseed oil have a pretty high omega-3 fatty acid content and so from an inflammatory uh, perspective they're great to add on but in terms of lubricating the gut they're great as well so adding one tablespoon of uh, flaxseed one to two tablespoons of flaxseed oil uh, daily is a great idea now, since dehydration certainly can contribute to constipation, drinking at least three quarters to a gallon of water is mandatory. And this is good for many reasons. Hydrated cells are also more likely to liberate fatty acids. So it can help with fat loss, but making sure you do that is important. And then physical activity. There's a lot of, um, suggestions that, uh, um, consistent, uh, exercise and walking and aerobic exercise can help with constipation. And then, uh, there's the idea of, uh, squatting. So, this has um kind of been a fairly new intervention but i pr- making sure that the anorectal angle is less acute right and so that's the rectum here's the anus and when you uh defecate in a squatting position the ang- the angle is a little less acute right here and um there's been a few studies suggesting that using, using devices which put you more in a squatting position while defecating can really help with um with the process of defecation. And here is a, this is one um, of many different vendors that create a, 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 a device that can put you in that position. That's a, this is one of the more popular ones, the Squatty Potty. And basically what it does is it, again, it improves the anore- anorectal uh, angle, and again, uh, improves uh, ease of, um, of defecation. What about other supplements? Well, so in addition to making these dietary and lifestyle choices, which I would 100% do, uh, some other supplements you can add would be magnesium and vitamin C powder, which uh, tends to attract a lot of water into the colon. Remember, water will help uh, improve uh, the ability to defecate, decrease the hardness of the stools. And this is also digested by microbes in the intestine. So you don't seem to have as many of the side effects that you do with the other um, over-the-counter, um, medications we use for constipation relief. And so you can get this in an effervescent powder, 4,500 milligrams of vitamin C, 25 milligrams, 20, 250 milligrams of magnesium. You take it three times a week. Psyllium husk, uh, you can get this in, uh, powder form or just actual psyllium husk and taking six to 12 grams daily. I usually, uh, add this to, you know, protein shakes, um, it was been it was shown to be superior to dioxate sodium, so colase, in several studies. So this is something I definitely add on. And then uh, adding on probiotics. So just uh, changing the gut microbiome, as we talked about, if your gut microbiome has been disrupted by antibiotic use or just uh, a poor diet for many, many years, um, adding in probiotics to your regimen, maybe one or two capsules of a probiotic uh You know, twice or two or three times a day with um your meals. And I like to find ones that at least have 15 billion colony forming units. Taking that daily would be a good idea. So, hopefully, this has been helpful and just some thoughts to think about if you have been suffering from constipation.